0: Excuse me, is this seat taken? Hi, my name's Tammy. Got 25 to 75 people in your company? Check out knowyourcompany.com. It's software that helps companies like Airbnb know their company better. I'm in town for a sales convention. Tonight on Bullstone! When asked if 2017 would be the triumphant year of his return, the Lord our God took a disinterested look at the planet, shrugged and said, Nah, brah. No.
1: The phrase, suns out, buns out, swiftly changes to sunzu bunsu as Eastern philosophy becomes the new teen summer craze.
2: Beggars can't be... bruisers? How some bars are hiring bums as bouncers. Later.
0: National leader makes things worse by speaking first and thinking later. Who are we talking about? <laughs> uh, you tell me, man.
1: A recent report shows that fundamental Christians are now concerned with... Praying away... The Grey? Necessity
2: is the mother of... Comic convention? Learn how one town's geek population saved the mayor's budget with a successful Comic-Con.
0: All these nut-trucking stories and more, tonight on... Bullstone! And welcome to another finely handcrafted, gently sanded, and then thoroughly oiled edition
1: Ooh.
0: <laughs> of Bullstone. Flora, how the hell are you, sir? Oh,
2: aha, uh, I'm good.
0: That's awesome. Yeah,
2: I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Oh uh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you yeah, what, pretty it, good.
0: As, as fun as it is uh, to talk to you... Uh, Maybe. Bye, <laughs> <laughs> Flora. As much as I'm enjoying this A B conversation, I think you should see your way over to our guest, D B Spitzer. Oh
1: yeah,
0: alphabetical and shit, son. <laughs> how's it?
1: How's it? How's it going, the Daves?
0: <laughs> it's oh, going it's good. Great. We were that just talking uh, before yeah. we were recording on how we had been just chatting for like a good 10 minutes before we actually (laughs) formally introduced each other because we have been in communication for years. 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 So yeah. you Long time
1: friend of the podcast. Exactly. At least since uh, episode 71, 72, I think. And we are delighted to have you
2: on. And you might know him as Drunk Satan Robot. That's uh, what his mom uh, calls him. Under his uh, uh, nom de artiste. Because he's supplied us with a ton of amazing fan art. Yep. Yeah, and, and now now he's all grown up. He's got his own podcast, mm-hmm. People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. Part of the Ooh. Dark Myths collective. That's oh yeah. That's right. That's right. Uh and that's that's been going for a little while. Uh Spitzer, why don't you tell us uh first of all, uh introduce yourself a little bit, tell tell everybody, fellow fans and other fans and ceiling fans who you are what you do um and then tell us all about the people's guide to the cthulhu and mythos so also they go listen to it
0: also tell everyone that we have your permission just to call you spitzer from here on out so people don't think right. we're assumptive
1: oh yeah oh yeah no 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 um you know most people call me call me spitzer or mr spitzer if you're nasty and yeah, yeah.
2: you nice <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah, no, um, People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. I've been doing it for about a year and a half, two years now. Um, it's just pretty much a literary podcast following the Cthulhu Mythos as it was written from the beginning of our universe to the cooling of Earth's sun. It follows the writings of H.P. Lovecraft, Clark Ashton Smith, Robert E. Howard, Henry Kuttner, and um, goes through that from the book's perspective and the story's perspective of, like, year zero to everyone being dead and just monsters coming down from the stars inhabiting earth, making us go mad and you know, all that kind of fun stuff.
2: The good stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I'd been listening to, I I'd only listened to uh Lovecraftian and Cthulhu based podcasts uh, since about 2004, 2005. And then I quit listening to podcasts. And then one day I was like, "Oh, I should, I should start looking up uh, some Cthulhu podcasts again." And I saw this one called "Blurry Photos," and I was like, "Ken Height, I know that guy. That guy's <laughs> awesome. I've heard him talk live a billion times." And you know, people are like, "Well, who are you?" And I'm like, "Well, I'm like a low rent Ken Height. <laughs> I'm the people's Ken Height. That's right.
0: That's <laughs> yeah. your fancy Ken Heights. Oh yeah."
1: But yeah, no, uh, it's that's like how I got into blurry photos and also how I got into podcasting. And it was like I started asking you guys questions. And let's see. I also asked uh, Mark and Mel some questions mm-hmm. over at an hour with your ex. And I even asked the Gooch some questions here and there. <laughs> oh, you know, so me and Gentle Rebel, we know each other.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, Gentle Rebel. Gregbach.com. dot com.
2: So you're, you're woke AF. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: I wasn't. And I gotta be honest, I resisted it, but eventually that gentle rebel, he got me.
1: He, he, he got gently me gently caused you to rebel. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I I'm 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 from Oregon. I'm I'm West Coast. I make I make Greg Bach look like, I don't know, um <laughs>
0: yeah, Mark Soloff.
1: <laughs> I was gonna I, I was gonna say Dark Mark, but I'm like, uh is this just gonna be uh talking about Chicago people podcast? <laughs> Right. <laughs> it's true it's the the blurry
2: photos uh expanded expanded universe uh <laughs> references
0: <laughs> i make greg bach look like a picture mark Soloff drew of mel evans <laughs> right
2: <laughs> <laughs> well that's uh that's great and uh you've been growing that little plant there for uh like you said a year and a half two years Yeah, and, and it's uh it looks like it's Doing quite
1: well. Yeah, it's actually doing really well. In the last two months, I got a really cool co-host. Uh, today, Madam Mortician from uh, Austin, Texas. She moved up here recently, and she's been my co-host. And we've been talking about all kinds of cool monster movies. And we've just been moving out of just like the whole just umbrella of Lovecraftiana, and kind of opening that umbrella larger just to include horror movies classic cult films and stuff like that which i've always kind of talked about here throughout the show but making it more part of the show itself
0: sending tentacles out as it were to entwine other things and bring them under. certainly yeah. plus it makes
1: it so that you can podcast longer and you know not <laughs> run out of stuff
0: yeah that that never hurts
1: yeah if you do any uh, Robert E. Howard
2: stuff, I know that uh, we have some uh, friends at the Cromcast mm-hmm. that would very much appreciate that. Crom- Cromcast yeah. is pretty cool. Yeah, I, is right. Just,
0: they just uh, they just put up this really great picture on Twitter of Robo- Rob robot E. Howard punching. <laughs> it, was,
1: it was really that great. Sounds like something that hangs on the wall in my wheelhouse.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. was
1: it was pretty glorious. <laughs> Well, we're happy to have you on and
2: uh, to on. excited to talk about some uh, weird stuff from April. Mm, April. Yeah. Would you like to start out? Do you you wanna kick us off here with something?
1: Sure. I, I uh I will warn you though, I run a horror podcast and I only know how to read things in a spooky voice. I love it. So Amen. I will okay.
0: accept nothing you, less. You do you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hold on. Let me uh let me get my uh, Drunk Satan Robot voice going on real quick. Yeah. Space superstitions practiced by rocket scientists. Every cosmonaut pees on a tire. <laughs> Space superstitions. You wouldn't think that the world's foremost scientific agency would be very superstitious, but NASA has some long standing traditions that they live and breathe by. Before every launch from the Kennedy Space Center, astronauts eat a meal of steak, eggs, and cake, no matter the hour, (laughs) and must play poker until the commander loses. They typically bring along also a stuffed animal. Not only is the plush considered lucky, but its fluffy body is a safe enough object to signal when gravity shifts and objects start floating. Launchpad engineers believe it's bad luck for astronauts to see the rocket before the launch day. Hopefully that's not the case for the engineers also. <laughs> <laughs> and take great measures to ensure that none of the spacemen see their ride during, and sometimes the days-long journey to the launch pad. Back at mission control, every shuttle launch has been celebrated by a round of baked beans. When started as a... Single crock pot prepared by test director Norm Carlson quickly grew into over 60 gallons consumed by the team and dignitaries after every launch. Uh,
0: The the famous NASA bean orgies.
1: Yeah, no, no. It it just seems like a bad idea. Hey, everyone, we're going to be in the control room for, well, as long as this goes on. Houston we have a problem Cape Canaveral (laughs) we have a bigger problem
0: (laughs) What started as a passive aggressive joke Has become superstition
1: And like
2: baseball players Who don't change their socks This bean crock pot Never washed
0: Some say you can get the beans That Neil
1: Armstrong
0: ate (laughs) If you really get to the bottom
1: and there's another tradition that they all have to pee on a tire, and it says here that uh lady astronauts are not required to pee on the tire in the same fashion that men do, but they can bring a vial to splash onto the tire. Wow, yeah, well, I'm glad they're equal opportunity
2: at least there, yeah, right. I wonder how did that get started? <laughs>
1: yeah, they were out of champagne oh <laughs> well, uh, they had to take it a uh uh let's see uh. That happened in sixty one. They had to take an emergency pit stop, and they had to pee, uh, pee on the bus tire. And oh, apparently that's not American astronauts; that's Russian astronauts. As it was, uh, Yuri Gagarin, or however you say that guy's name. Uh, yeah. What
0: what, what problem he was, the first was solved tire, with a bunch of pee? What do you what's what's going on with the tire? Is, did they just need to pee, and so they just chose the tire, or was that somehow involved?
1: I think what uh, question needs to be asked is uh, what problems aren't being solved with pee and tires. Oh,
0: Spitzer, this is why you're here.
2: So <laughs> wise. I mean, NASA's saving a lot of money making their tires out of jellyfish, though. Oh
0: yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When when you get stung, it's like uh, urchins, sea urchins. Yeah, got got a pee on that. Yep. I love I love that something as as technically driven has as as, as is engineered has just a whole basket of crazy superstitions thrown on. Oh yeah. You know, just in case you thought you were really were advanced. No, 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 no. Mm -mm. Here's some chicken blood. You got to wave it over the navcom.
1: (laughs) I'm always curious what kind of witchcraft is used in other kinds of high tech industries. Like uh, every time an airplane comes in, is there some sort of, (laughs) I don't know. Do, do is some sort of voodoo practice uh, every time a Cessna comes in? Or, uh,
0: I'm know. a Lockheed Martin. Uh, I'm the Union Shaman. Uh, you know, I, I go up and down the fuselage. I make sure that there's uh, no evil demons hanging onto the oars or anything. You know, before they put the wiring in, because once that's in, I, I can't chase nothing out. So <laughs> I'm a Shaman
1: <laughs> Union Shaman. <laughs>
0: keeps me young well no no i mean i went to school i went to school i got a degree in business but I had an uncle.
1: <laughs> this is
2: this is where the big bucks are
0: you know it's like you know you get out of college you don't know what you're gonna do And my uncle said well i could use some help rounding up some chicken blood and uh you know 40 years later here i am got my own yep. office
2: it wasn't, it wasn't about 15 years ago that the shaman's local 557 uh, got together, though, and decided to unionize. Before that, they's just sending shamans up without parachutes and sometimes no pants. Uh, it was, now these regulations, it keeps us safe. <laughs>
1: God. I've been a big fan of the union ever since we uh, integrated with the Necromancers Union. Yeah. Uh,
0: now that's something we've been meaning to do for years
1: because uh, there's a lot of necromancy going on uh, in all kinds of all kinds of industries right now, especially agricultural.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, there's a lot of bad blood, both physical and uh, metaphysical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can we
0: just do this for like the next hour?
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's all This is now. Oh, that's awesome. Shaman union. Uh, yeah.
0: Flora, what you got?
2: Oh, let's see. Um, Bring it. I got one here, um, Spitzer, you may like, uh, just in the sense, because when I read it, I was like, man, this this kind of screams the um, like it's the beginning of uh, a Lovecraft story. Um, this is coming from Ancient Origins. The article title is Guided by the Ancestors? Mayan fanatic saved by a 1,000 year old priest and so it goes on to talk about that in January of 1931 uh, an article showed up in the Modesto News Herald called Mystery of the Lolton Cave Hermit and it was talking about a uh, a guy by the name of Robert Stacy Judd two first names you should watch out uh, that's <laughs> That's true, and the last name's hyphenated. He's got all kinds of problems. He was a uh, he was an English architect who kind of helped bring about they they had a sort of Mayan revival around the time. A uh, lot of lot of people got really into like you know the uh, Mayan culture and the discoveries that were being made and things like that. And part of part of uh, uh, what he did was he was inspired architecturally from pre-Columbian Mesoamerican civilizations. Not only Mayans but like Aztec stuff as well. He also uh, had a hand in building the uh, Aztec Hotel in 1924 uh, which is in the San Gabriel Valley in California. And anyways he, he loved Mayan stuff uh, too and he decided to go explore some I guess ruins or at least the area down in the Yucatan in, in 34. So he went to this place called the Lulton cave. And I guess Lulton means uh flower stone, not just like a bunch of laughing out loud. <laughs> I was just going to say, Lol <laughs> damn it. <laughs> um I dropped
0: a ton of derision on that. ass. <laughs> yeah, that's
2: right. <laughs> uh, and so the cave apparently had tons of artifacts in it. Wall paintings, uh, Mayan stuff from the late pre-classical era. Uh, uh-huh. For all you archaeology nerds, um, they're out there. And watch yourself. I know one know misstep. Totally <laughs> <laughs> so apparently, when he went into this cave, it was the uh, fifth attempt that anybody had ever done to to get down there in this place. So it wasn't necessarily uh, a good idea. <laughs> it wasn't wasn't safe. Um, I, I gather from that. Because it was it was huge, not everybody wanted to go down there. You know, he had to find guides to to take him. He got three locals, uh, who who were ever. I say not everybody wanted to take him, and then he got three people. That that sounds dumb, but <laughs> um, but they decided. Uh, I guess people got lost in there a lot, and they decided to work out a system where they would go go in a little bit, and then one of the guides would stay in a pos- in position, and then. The rest of them would keep on going, and when they got to where they could, they were just in earshot of the first guy. Then the second guy would stay, and then the other, and then uh, Stacy Judd and the other guy kept going. So they kind of like posted uh, lookouts along the way to help them make their way back out and stuff. And you know, you know how life do. (laughs) A huge rock just fell from the ceiling at one point narrowly missed them it was apparently one of those things where where they were just standing it it just crashed down well the second guy that they left behind heard it and he was like oh shit they did i better (laughs) i better check on him uh probably get whatever cash this guy owes me and get out of here Uh, (laughs) so he went in looking for him found them and then they were lost because they couldn't hear the, the first guy. They didn't know how to, how to get their, their way back out of this cave. And then they got to a point where they squeezed into a, an open cavern.
0: Yeah. This, Ever onward, gentlemen. Look, there's a narrow passage. Let's continue.
2: Yeah. They they got into this cavern, didn't really see anything that looked like where they'd come from or an exit. So they started to turn around and go. But then one of them saw a, just a tiny light like across across the cavern and then they saw there was a human form behind the light and they walked towards each other the the light and in this in the three guys now and uh Stacy Judd said that he saw an old man dressed in a white robe with a gourd serving as a skull cap on his head and a small double gourd from which protruded a lighted wick and so it's apparently an old Mayan priest and the guides uh, were, were able to communicate with him, but he didn't speak any, anybody's language. Uh, they said that he was probably speaking old Mayan. And so even though they, they, they couldn't communicate, they were able to, you know, figure out through like signs, sign language and, and, probably sticks and dirt drawing things, you know, whatever. But um, I guess they figured out that he was a Mayan priest who was guarding a treasure. And in addition, he was told that the priest was 1,000 years old. And then he said, well, that's probably an exaggeration. But he reckoned that he was, quote, well over 100 years old. And so anyways, they managed to let him know that they were lost and he was like oh, okay let me show you the way out of the cave <laughs> he got out of the cave and apparently took photographs and motion pictures of him i didn't get a chance to look for these i i don't know if that would be a waste of like 30 minutes of my life but like uh they i guess they gave him like a few coins just as as a token of appreciation even though this guy you know probably used different coins in the underground caves but like he went back down in there and then nobody ever saw him again. So <laughs> it's just nuts. <laughs> now, I don't know how much of that is, you know, fanciful fabrication, but to me, when I read this, I was like, Oh my God, this is the great beginning of a story where the guy says he'll lead them out of the cave. And then he leads them down to a cult of people worshiping, uh, an outer space, you know, <laughs> right. fallen and, deity and, or and,
0: and hungry for <laughs> explorer flesh.
2: Yeah, yeah, cannibals and and also needed a sacrifice
1: and so. No, it does sound like something out of weird tales or astounding stories, astonishing travels, spicy cavern tales.
0: Slightly different, slightly different. Uh, yeah, and and they, it, because they pre-purchased all their cover art for the year, it's a picture of a guy like wrestling a chimpanzee, you know. <laughs> Terra, five thousand feet below the surface of the earth. And I mean well, This could have happened on his way, way in, but yeah. we've already got the art, so <laughs>
2: <laughs> throw in a paragraph about how it was an underground jungle. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> you ever see, there was a, a really great like meme that was running around for a while where it was like the the cover of one of those old like action magazines, and it's a guy who's like fighting coconut crabs to the death oh yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. and then Men's they,
1: adventure or one of those yeah, yeah exactly
0: and i'm just like what what is your how did how do you get overrun by slow crabs
1: <laughs> <Airheart>. <laughs> oh.
0: good news it's not too soon it's been a while so you're okay <laughs> uh, that's,
2: that's glorious great. what you got dave
0: all right, I've got uh I got a two-part one-two combination of of research uh and interesting things that have come out about Toxoplasma Gandhi uh, oh. and the the uh uh related toxoplasmosis. Uh Spitzer, you a cat man? You got a cat? Uh no. Good. <laughs> Cuz you I was going to ask you to get rid of it right now. I'm a cat guy, but I don't have a cat.
2: I'm a cat man. <laughs> <laughs>
0: The cat man. <laughs> um, so, uh, Toxoplasma Gandhi uh, is a parasitic. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for now that I've got a thousand articles in front virus?
1: of me? Virus? Uh, it's not a virus. Um, why can't I? Th- I've read. Is this a thing that makes uh, mice want to hang out with cats because they their pee or something? Or Yes, it's a
2: microbe. Um, but and it's a pacifist microbe. Right? <laughs> it is, it is Tuxoples all Gandhi. <laughs> I like that.
1: I had Burn- to do a it take it. off camera.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is, it's a, it's a well-known thing. I mean, uh, historically, um, even, even since the 1920s, doctors have told, especially women, um, who are pregnant to stay away from changing cat litter because, uh, Uh, Toxo, which is what I'm going to call it from here on out, is uh, concentrated in cat feces. It it, it replicates in the cat. Cat passes it. Other animals eat the feces. Boom. Now you've got a transmission cycle, and it goes on from there. And yeah, it it, it does have all kinds of crazy effects. Makes mice more brave, Mm -hmm. thus more likely to end up back inside of a cat. Cycle Mm -hmm. continues. But it also, uh, as they do more research has an amazing amount of effects on humans. And it's not the only uh, microbe that does this. There are, I mean, we've talked about, I think, on the podcast, and I think at some point we'll probably end up doing something close to a whole episode on cordyceps fungus that can uh, change the behavior of insects and things like that. And there's a lot of fun, zombie fun to be had from that, whether it's the game Last of Us or uh, The Girl with All the Gifts. Uh, lots, lots of fun zombie fiction that kind of goes this fungal route. And doing this research, I was so dis- uh, I almost said disgusted, and that's not at all what I meant. Oh, God. Uh, I was delighted to see uh, Janice Moore, who was uh, a professor of mine at Colorado State, uh, is in this. And she did work on uh, schistosomes, in particular uh, a, a, a version of schistosomiasis that would make pill bugs or roly-polies who normally are negatively phototaxic. They like dark areas. But this schistosome that is, uh, has to go through birds, it's passed in their feces, which pill bugs would eat, makes them prefer light. It changes them over to positive phototaxis, so they will walk over light surfaces like sidewalks, which makes them easier for the birds to see. Boom, life cycle completed. Now it's back inside the bird again. So there's a a lot of really great uh, examples of this. Another one is um, there's a wasp that will uh, inject its egg into the orb spider. Um, The larva that comes out of the egg then releases chemicals. I'm reading this, so just in case anyone's wondering, that prompt the spider to abandon weaving its familiar spiral web and instead spin its silk thread into a special pattern that will hold the cocoon in which the larva matures it hijacks the spider's entire operation to build a better bed. Wow. Huh. So, I mean, just lots of cool things like that. So, getting back to Did you
2: know that mitochondria was the powerhouse of the cell? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm done.
0: (laughs) I can play, too.
2: (laughs) That's nuts. I mean, life uh, finds Finds a a way. So,
0: when it comes back to toxoplasmosis, there is some research that indicates that um, pregnant women who carry a particularly high amount of infection are more likely to have uh, schizophrenic children. But oh. uh, the thing, once again, how many times do I have to say this in the podcast? Thank God for the Danes. <laughs> <laughs> the Danish National Hospital did this huge research project uh, on... Uh, toxoplasmosis and how much much of the antibodies people had in their body to determine their level of infection and any expressed behaviors as a result. Uh, Women with toxoplasma infections were 54% more likely to uh, attempt suicide, twice as likely to succeed, and in particular, they were more likely to attempt violent suicides using a knife or gun instead of something like um, overdoses or something like that. Um, and what's more so, they were able to correlate the, it, the likelihood of that behavior with the amount of infection that they found in those people. So, uh, Toxoplasma is this thing that we've just been swimming in. You know, Everyone's got cats. No one gives it a lot of thought. But it can have huge repercussions on our behavior and our very lives.
2: Jesus. And that that just has to get worse and worse year after year because it builds on itself. Cat lady fever. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing: is it the chicken or the egg? Is
2: is it the cats that make the lady, <laughs> <laughs> or years and years of the lady making the cat?
0: Yeah. So the two <laughs> articles that I've got: one is from Scientific American, um, and the other is from the Atlantic. And the Atlantic article is entitled "How Your Cat Is Making You Crazy." That these these um. L- uh, this degree of toxoplasmic infection can actually radically alter your behavior, making you slightly less social and make you make you slightly more inclined to be around cats. Jeez Louise. Yeah. So, so crazy cat ladies, maybe this isn't your fault. You could be a victim of cruel fate and crueler microbes.
2: Hmm. And Okay. This it it was a long time ago, so I've already I've already forgotten who whose hat I signed and threw in the air. (laughs) Did you say? How did you say it gets in a person's uh, system? Is do they breathe that in from, or do they have to touch it or ingest it?
0: It's uh it's it's an oral fecal route kind of thing. It's from changing cat litter and uh coming into contact,
2: probably getting uh, uh in dust in the air. And, and maybe inhaling it
0: um, that I don't know for sure. I'm sure that's possible. I'm sure that that is a part of it, uh, but mostly it, it's, it's um, when people are directly interacting with cat feces. Okay. Cause I mean, and, and you think initially like, Oh, well as long as I don't just manhandle kitty logs, I'm fine. But you also think about the state of the average uh, litter box you know you, you 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 clean out the clumps and stuff like that but a litter box is a pretty filthy thing in general
1: true maybe there's already a little bit of crazy going on if they're just reaching in and grabbing handfuls of kitty roca
0: <laughs> yeah yeah people get into that as a matter of fact uh, as i as i look through this even further uh toxoplasmosis gandhi was a huge huge problem in the early days of the aids epidemic before People had good uh, uh, antiretroviral drugs, and it was responsible for dementia. And so it was also it was a big problem for people with with compromised immune systems. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, so especially in someone whose immune system is already depressed, this thing just steps in there and just starts wrecking shop.
2: Yeah. Wow. That I mean, that's it's scary. Yeah. yeah.
0: Scary. It is. It is. It's weird to think. A that there's anything that can mess with with your brain like that. I mean, like syphilis makes you crazy, but like there are other things that just make you straight up crazy. But this keeps you largely functional, but just edges you into its own territory, into making its life a little easier.
2: I mean, cats have been around a while.
0: It's somebody too, told you know? me the other day that the only they're the only animal that's self-domesticated. I don't know if that's true, but it wouldn't surprise me either.
1: Hmm
2: weird. Yeah. I don't know. I I heard that uh, uh, we self-domesticated.
1: <laughs> so there. Maybe it's the cat's fault that humans are crazy, huh?
0: Right? Cats? Well, that's the thing. I feel I feel like maybe crazy cat ladies and gentlemen, it's 2017, gregbach.com, that you know, not entirely we keep blaming them for this, but uh, they could just be the victims of a parasitic infection.
2: I like it. Yeah.
0: I just I just think it's great that, that anything can can get in there and kind of hotwire the controls and steer you like a tiny robot inside your head. A tiny drunk robot. A tiny drunk
2: <laughs> Satan robot.
1: And now I keep thinking of like some Egyptian patient zero who had like a bunch of cats and copophilia and just <laughs> right? started the whole thing yeah. off.
0: Oh yeah, we're kicking this off. <laughs> yeah. And thus the first high priest of Bast is born.
1: i just can't stop eating them
0: i don't (laughs) i don't know exactly where i went wrong in that description but i know that right now ken height is balefully staring into space and hoping that it's hitting me somehow
2: he's he's, in what conversation
0: oh because oh because ken height is sort of a bast expert oh oh, he's a bast master
1: (laughs) Bast pro shop
2: (laughs) oh (laughs) DV, <laughs> you just that- thought of a new intro No, <gasps> I was no, no. going to
1: say now you guys have a new skit <laughs> I was going to say
0: that would be a great t-shirt for your podcast Spitzer
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, alright what else you got there Spitzer alright um, speaking of being speared sh- sh- by a
0: drunk Satan robot <laughs>
1: <laughs> Slovenian firm brings tombstones to life with digital content Ooh, spooky and technologically (laughs) savvy. You what? A firm in Slovenia are giving tombstones a 21st century makeover with 48-inch interactive screens that can show pictures, video, and other digital content. A cemetery on the outskirts of Maribor, Slovenia's second-largest city, recently set up a prototype of a weatherproof and vandal-proof digital tombstone that can interact with visitors. At first glance, it looks like any other, but standing in front of it a few seconds, its sensors bring it to life unlike its contents, <laughs> turning it into an interactive screen capable of playing just about any kind of digital content. The tombstone makes it possible to put anything next to the deceased person's name and surname. You can even write an entire novel if you like. You can put in pictures or a film there, said the head of the company, which I can't pronounce the name of the company (laughs) or the person's name or the town they're in.
0: Is it? I hope the company is called. Yes, we put a profanity filter on dot net.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The company name Zinnes
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh the company's name is uh Bienergia Bioenergia. Oh. Uh anyway, yeah. Tombstone has its sensor on so when no one's around nothing pops up to keep its energy life going and uh yeah, it's just tombstones with a 48 inch screen put on it so you can put anything on it and i don't know i i would haunt the hell out of people somehow and yes. make it so that if someone came by the sensor'd be like Aah!
0: don't <laughs> let them bury me i'm, I'm not, not dead, dead. <laughs> by the way as a young dave stecker was very disappointed by the serpent and the rainbow <laughs> It's, it's, it's. I was like, oh, yeah, this guy's dead and everything's crazy. No, it's, it's about corrupt governments and stuff. It's I was disappointed.
2: That's a big screen size. Yes. Yeah. Number one. Number two, I think this is really f-ing cool. I mean, I would do it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Only because I would I would hope to God that local youths would would pounce on it and instantly just do horrible things with it all the time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I would somehow want a uh cabaret style like plain surface so that you could do like Miss Pac-Man on it and yes. drink drinks and sit around with your friends and then yeah, be sure. like oh get away from my grave occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just sounds of like go
2: go go go. go go. Oh.
1: Yeah,
0: that that would be awesome or if it was just live footage like they had a camera in your casket of just you decomposing <laughs> oh maybe God. maybe there's a maybe there's a wheel and it's like out of the 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 20 places on the wheel 19 of them are like a, a video clip from my past a message from the deceased but boy one out of 20 is just a shot of what's left in the box <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> a light comes on what's in C span brings
1: you today this That'd is great day.
2: oh yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: does it say how it's powered did i miss that is it it's, solar powered i believe it's uh battery powered it said it was battery powered and yeah it doesn't say anything about being solar powered which seems kind of dumb at this point but yeah I don't know. Uh, maybe for Memorial Day, instead of bringing flowers, you bring battery or repli- uh, replacement <laughs> batteries.
2: Change the battery. Well, see, well, that's, how they, that's how they get you. Can anonymous hack these? <laughs> <laughs> this is how this is how ISIS
0: gets in the graveyard.
2: <laughs> what would you have on there? What would you have on yours? What would you put on your tombstone? What would you your, put your on your digital tombstone? tombstone? Okay. Okay. Oh. Now that you say <laughs> it,
0: the movie tombstone running in a loop forever.
2: Oh.
1: oh. I'm your huckleberry. Yeah. Oh, man. I w- I would. What I was seriously would do is I would take a get a photo of myself or a video of myself pressed up against glass so it looks like I'm just <laughs> doing that to the screen and be like, leave this place.
0: <laughs> evil, evil, Tomed. evil. Oh, yeah. Or yeah, just like every third person that comes up, be like, "I'll see you real soon." (laughs) Seriously,
2: I know things. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Florba? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. Like, there's so much you could do. (laughs) Uh, You know, you know, it would be great if you just made like a mirror surface, or, or not, not a surface, but like it's, it's literally a view of what's directly behind them like shot from that exact spot. So it just looks like they're looking in a mirror, but they're not there. (laughs) That's I I would laugh in my grave. That's all that is.
0: I would, uh, if if, if you got one of those and I strongly encourage you to do so Flora so that I can hack it and just play Duke basketball highlights until you come back from the grave. That's I'm not going to like try to lure you away from the light (laughs) or anything. I am going to goad you out of that life back into this one
2: <laughs> claw my way through <laughs> yeah. the hard frozen earth oh i love it uh, now I, I i can't even think of what what there there's so many cool things you could do that's not just like one of those desk digital picture like uh slideshows, you mm-hmm. know like you you don't want to do that you got to put put something up there man <laughs> put a put an interactive uh a movie. and the, Oh, you could do like the Wayne's World uh, board game, VHS board game. <laughs> it just, like it makes no sense because you don't have the game, but it just plays
1: <laughs> I want to know if I can hook my Atari 2600 up to it and I don't know, play Breakout Yes. Yeah. What if you just put like a
2: ROM in there,
1: like you know, like a
2: Best Buy <laughs> or something, and just kids come by and stand at your grave and just play, just oh. play games. Yeah, just loitering at your at yeah. your grave.
0: I do. I I just made this joke the other day that I do want to put a uh, a cup holder on the top of my tombstone. You know, come on over, <laughs> hang out for a while. I'll hold your beer. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's that's pretty cool though. It reminds me even though it's nothing at all like it, but the um the graves in serenity.
0: Oh yeah, you know, yeah, a have, little hologram. Have
2: mm-hmm. But it seems yeah, it seems like you could just do more 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 with just a screen that you can put whatever digital content you want in there than just like a, a hologram of you smiling. <laughs> I'm talking like we we're more capable of doing things than the sci-fi future show.
0: Oh man!
2: Well, well yeah, it, it just puts me in the mind of that.
0: Yeah i i I think it's I think it's a worthwhile idea. I think that it's the most Slovenian thing on earth that it runs on batteries. Let me go on record. I wish
2: there was like a I wish there was a um, an extension cord that just ran back to an old shed, <laughs> <laughs> not you know not covered or anything. <laughs> Every, <laughs> risk of blowing up at any time. I would be uh, just as
0: happy if there was a crank on the side of the headstone. <laughs>
2: Floor, <laughs> floor, what you got? Well, Dave, you're, you're going to like this one. We've talked about it before. Uh, there was an article in Live Science talking about melding mind and machine. Yes, put me in a robot body today, seriously. Yeah. And they were asking, like, how close are we to connecting our brains to technology? Well, then tell and, me. Uh, they have been you know they've been making a lot of uh really cool uh, steps forward on this, particularly with people that are uh paralyzed or they have missing limbs, you know they have been able I guess the University of Pittsburgh um, has been able to have signals recorded inside the brain to control a robotic arm. and it's, it's at Stanford, they have extracted the movement intentions of paralyzed patients from their ba- brain signals, allowing them to use a tablet wirelessly. Uh, so they are, you know, they're getting really close to being able to do something. And this is great news for people who are paralyzed or have lost the the use of limbs or have lost limbs even. You know, we're, we're getting kind of close to um, Skywalker hands out there, it sounds like. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's a long way to go, but... Um, it's not just science fiction anymore. It's slowly or quickly becoming science fact. And they I, I guess they are undergoing human trials for bionic eyes right now, even.
1: Okay. Yeah, get um, me some of those. Yeah. I want cyber eyes. I want more than two eyes.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, now that's inspired thinking. That's the kind of out-of-the-box shit that we love. More than two eyes.
2: So... Uh, what what I found interesting about the article is it talks about something you might not think about how the body reacts to having these things implanted because that's a big hurdle to get over uh, that your, your body doesn't just uh, constantly attack something that, you know, is interlaced now in your, your brain matter. <laughs> not only will sometimes your antibodies think that it is an invader to your system, which, you know, it, it, it is, uh, but they say brain tissue is soft and flexible while most, of our electri- uh, while most of our electrically conductive materials tend to be very rigid. And so that can cause scarring and immune reactions, which is what I was talking about, that, you know, degrades the uh, implants over time. And so they're trying to figure out ways to make these uh, electronics and the things that would turn you into a cyborg uh, biocompatible, and I—I I, I don't know. I just thought it. You, you always are like, i, I want a laser eye. i, I want a uh, bionic uh, legs so I can jump over buildings and stuff. But you don't think of how that would actually work in terms of connecting to your existing system.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, what what about the doc octopuses of the world? Yeah, there is no neural framework. Yeah,
2: one thing they've got, um. That they're excited about. There's one thing called electroceuticals, which are experimental small implants that treat a disease without drugs by communicating commands directly to the organs. And this helps with, uh, say, things like diabetes or Hmm. uh, diseases like that. And then they've got, or they're working on, how to get, get past the electrical to biochemical language barrier. They're working on building something called injectable neural lace, which... Uh sounds sexy. Yeah, it's it's not only is it nice to look at, but it it will gradually allow neurons to grow alongside implanted electrodes rather than rejecting them. And then there's flexible nanowire-based probes, scaffolds, and then glassy carbon interfaces. So they're just they're trying to develop ways to make everything kind of coexist if you need to get your DC Comics cyborg person on.
0: Which I do all the time.
2: Yeah. Elon Musk is trying to get this stuff off the ground. He's
0: Well, dude, he's, a, he's our Lex Luthor,
2: so if anyone can do it, it's him. Has he turned from Tony Stark to Lex Luthor
1: already? Uh, I, Tony I Stark know. and Lex Luthor are the same guy. I feel Let's feel just like be honest. Tony Stark
0: had a lot of panache that
1: Elon Musk is lacking. It's true. That's true. And maybe Tony Stark would be a bit different if there was, you know, Superman in the Marvel Universe like there's a Superman in the DC Universe. That's true. Tony Stark might be like, I don't want some alien telling us what to do. No alien's going to be on the Avengers as long as I'm here. (laughs) How how many aliens are on the Avengers? Okay, I guess Thor, but... You know, I... I, There aren't many super-powered
2: people in in the Avengers. You've got, like, the the scientifically created Captain America. And I, I guess, all right, I'm going to put a cap on this rant because <laughs> I think you just started to, I, I I'm going to stop it before I get it. Cause nobody wants to hear that. I actually have something to add to this because uh, as
0: many listeners know, I recently got a job, I work in an insurance company and we were going over a different, like, you know, orientation, different kinds of insurance and talking about uh, liabilities and things like that. And like in an Avengers movie, what kind of, I mean, there are special coverages. The United States federally set up coverage for acts of terrorism. There's a, a, a pool of money that pays businesses and commercial enterprises if an act of terrorism destroys their business and things like that. And so, but one thing that no insurance company ever covers is war. So we got into this really weird discussion where if aliens just show up and start wrecking shop, is it an act of terrorism and we decided it was terrorism unless they sent a message to Earth declaring war. Then you don't have to cover anything. But if Thor is involved, now it's an act of God.
2: <laughs> Jeez.
0: Yeah. See, insurance can be there. fun, kids. <laughs> that was the only fun part. That's, right. That's not true. I, weirdly enough, I find it fascinating. I think it's it's cool. No one
2: believes me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> everyone just got real quiet and just stared at me.
2: Uh, anyways, that's uh that's what I got. It it goes into a little bit more detail, but I'll link to it in the show notes if you want to read it.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh I've got two real quick ones, one super quick one. So, uh as we learned, uh, as we discussed at length uh last month with Emma, Australia loves to brag that it's been, you know, what 30 some years since somebody died of spider bite. But uh, it turns out back in February, they almost had to reset the clock uh, because Uh-oh. some kid, a uh, 10-year-old, got wailed on by a funnel web spider. And, ha- and they took him to the, uh, the Australian reptile, reptile park we were talking about where they, they milk these things. And he got 12 vials of anti-venom, which is the most anyone's ever been given. And he barely pulled out. He pulled through. So it worked out. But this is as close as they've ever come. Um, So anyway, that's just your your monthly Australian update. Um, It's still just as dangerous as ever. Don't let them tell you otherwise. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This really interesting article about Viking swords, which uh, I think are cool. And I think, I think everyone's pretty much into Vikings at, on some level or another.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, really interesting article about Viking swords, or as I like to call it, redundant. <laughs> right?
0: Uh, <laughs> but this is the fascinating thing. We've talked about the Ulfbert swords and, you know, really strong, weird things. This article is actually goes in the other direction, that there was a, a new analysis of uh, a few different Viking swords found that uh, some of these swords were good garbage and we're never meant to uh to go forth und plunder that um and which makes you know makes perfect sense that this society that was uh really totally into pillage swords became very decorative after a while and so people started just making these kind of uh tchotchke hang them on the wall swords but people have been digging these up with bodies for a long time. And like, Oh, this must've been a great sword. And it turns out a lot of these things were just, uh, they were just, they were poorly made. They would not have, um, held up in regular use and were uh, for lack of a better word, just decor- uh, decorative
1: 1d6, negative two. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. At least.
0: Yeah. So, um, I, I just thought that that was kind of interesting uh, because there, you know, every time we ever do it or or you hear about these things, it's like, oh, they were this much better than we ever thought, and I I really enjoyed this article. It's like, ah, not so fast. They were they were making, you know, crap for for your uncle Zvalbard to put up on the wall and never touch. But hey, they did they did name a whole island after him, so he was doing okay on some level.
2: That's how I'm gonna go.
0: I Zval- mean you're going to get uh decorative sorted you are you have a fair I, no, amount I, of decorative uh blades in your house but they they're enough to get any job done
2: they will they they could get the job done but i just see it being like uh you know when when the king of england busts into my house and i need to defend my family i'm going to pull out one of these decorative swords and like in my swing in my in my Coup de gras on the King of England as you scream, suck
0: it long shanks. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's gonna snap, <laughs> snap across his neck because it's it's a decorative sword, <laughs> and then he's gonna he's gonna shank me with the Magna Carta or
1: whatever he, <laughs> weapon he uses. <laughs>
2: Magna carted.
1: <laughs> so are archaeologists going to comb through our bones hundreds of years from now, thousands from years from now, and be like, yes, the people who lived on the American continent were really really into. Uh, japanese swords that were terrible and these things that they call batlets
0: yeah yeah they they had to carry these things to and from work to keep themselves uh safe it was a very martial society
2: but most of them were for show and that's (laughs) why they killed themselves (laughs) oh god i i mean i that that's that is glorious
1: I, I really am looking, or, or I find it humorous that at some point in time there will be an archaeologist who will find a batleth and be like, or, or just like the Lord of the Rings collectible swords or some <laughs> yeah. sort of Franklin mint bullshit and yeah. be like, a- Americans were crazy. They carried swords all over the damn place. Yeah.
2: This this guy that lived in Chicago must have been a master of not only Japanese sword fighting, but also the rapier and the broadsword. <laughs> oh
0: he worshipped a god named Thor and had many, many idolatrous pictures of he him went- throughout his commode. His, I almost said commode, abode. Because you live in a shitter. Aye. <laughs> I- <laughs> <laughs> when I, I remember when I was in sixth grade, my elementary school library had this book that I just, I was fascinated with cause it was such a cool idea. And it was like a book made for kids, but it was, um, it was like archeologists from the year 4,000 had like excavated <laughs> modern times, you know, like yeah. in the United States circa 1988 and like had completely gotten everything wrong and had like people wearing toilet seats around their necks and it was like this is a part of this is what their high priests would wear every room every home had a room devoted with this special altar in it
2: <laughs> it was <laughs> it was just
0: this really i don't know what it was called but it was such a great book that just about these archaeologists who just got everything wrong but it was yeah, that's I hilarious
2: Coop. I, I bet there's some some good fiction out there that somebody has uh has drummed up a, a similar idea you know like a um uh, uh, Ernst Klein or something, you know, like one oh, of yeah. one of those types of authors. It's got
0: one of them, uh, one of them, their uh, one, one of them, Scalzi's. Is it one of them, Scalzi's?
2: Scalzi's. Yeah, yeah, one of them, Scalzi's.
0: One of them, uh, J.K.R.R. Martins. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got one last one here uh, from from the BBC. It's the race to destroy space garbage, which I think everyone is aware that the amount of crap orbiting our planet is, is growing uh, and is becoming a bigger and bigger problem as, as you know, virtually any country can put something up into orbit. And a lot of these, a lot of these satellites aren't eternal. None of them are eternal, but like a lot of them are just, they have very finite lifespans and the ones that don't fall back out of orbit or just take a long time. They're just up there until they burn up in the atmosphere. And uh, they're creating more and more problems. Uh, In 2007, China had to destroy one of their satellites with a ballistic missile, which uh, is not only very hard to do, but it would probably uh, freaked out a bunch of Pentagon people because that's some pretty (laughs) sweet shooting techs. Um, And I think people remember this. uh, In 2009, an American uh, commercial satellite, uh, communication satellite, smashed into a an old dead russian weather satellite and and so each time this happens that creates more particles flying around and oh, yeah. and there was a uh, something i mean there's the uh well gravity the whole basis yeah, the of beginning that
2: beginning of
0: gravity fucking terrifying yeah that like one interaction leads to more and it's just this this cascading effect um and this this here's something that i was completely unaware of in 2015 debris from that collision from that 2009 collision forced the crew of the international space station to evacuate they had to get into a soyuz capsule and and f the off wow so there's this huge push like on the one hand how do you get it it's not all tracked you don't really know where all of it is but on the other hand there is a uh fiscal reason I mean the the big expense is getting things into orbit. So there is in the sense of raw materials a lot up there that if you could capture it and somehow reprocess it, would turn it extraordinarily valuable. This is just like what we were talking about with asteroid mining uh, a couple of months back. So you know, when you've got a huge weird hard problem to solve, who does the United States government turn to? Bloody hand of Eisenhower.
2: <laughs>
0: DARPA. DARPA! DARPA So Uh DARPA is taking point on the military's part of to track the space debris. And so they're actually uh installing a gigantic telescope to optically track these things and uh start to really identify these things so they can start bringing it together, aggregating it, and either putting it into a stable orbit to be used later or pushing it down into the atmosphere to burn up. Hmm. Freaking DARPA, man.
2: They're not really made to come back down in the first place. No,
0: no. There's there's no reusability. It's pretty rare that anything that goes up
2: is designed to come back in any... uh, I just wonder if they could build a drone that's cheap... And light, they get it up there, and it could just like magno lock onto one of these things and slowly drag it into the atmosphere to where it burns up. They know it'll burn. Yeah. Instead of just like you know a dropping it straight down, which you know it it'll it has less of a chance to burn up if it's a, if it's a quick burn, or b trying to shoot it farther into space, in which case it also has a chance of hitting other stuff. Yeah, and I guess you you know you you can even say well, dragging it down. There's also a, a chance you could hit stuff there too. So do you have to do you have to try to program it to where it it like froggers its way down or right? What do you do? You know? Yeah, and case, if you hit so.
0: more things on the way down, you're just making the problem worse.
1: Right. So why don't we weaponize it then and just make it fall down on people we want to make it fall down on?
0: Well, you know, I was thinking about this and it doesn't (laughs) mention this whatsoever in the article, but I was kind of thinking in the same direction. Like, what's the difference between designing something like Florida's described, an autonomous drone uh, that can go up there and, and do this? What's the difference between a piece of space garbage and a Chinese military satellite?
1: Brought to you by DARPA. Right.
0: I mean, and I think that's why, honestly, I think we're a lot further ahead in this department than anyone suspects we are. Because the nature of the problems that need to be solved are so close to a, a military application. I mean, any nation that wants to really wage war in the new millennium, those satellites are a target. And they are they are extraordinarily vulnerable because right now... No one can really, you know, get to them as far as we know. But if you if you do have the ability to to make something like what Flora described, then that that thing, that's like saying, "Well, I pro I made, <laughs> I made a suit for a garbage man. Um, I call it the Iron Man suit. So a garbage <laughs> man can fly anywhere in the country at supersonic speeds." Uh, he's super strong, and he's got these repulso garbage lasers just for pushing dumpsters around.
2: <laughs>
0: you know, it, actually, and there's someone in the government going, "Boy, I can think of something else to do with your garbage man suit."
2: <laughs> Deliver pizza.
0: <Yay>! <laughs> <laughs> My name's Phineas J. Little Caesars the Third, and I've got an offer for you. <laughs> The only way people want Little Caesars Pizza is if it's d- delivered by flying robot heroes, and even then, they just thanks robot hero. What's for yeah, dinner? Give us
1: two. <laughs> yeah, when uh, you said something about space junk, I thought you were going to be talking about like the I don't know shows that only last one season on Sci Fi Channel or something. Oh,
0: that. I would, if there was like a subscription cable network that was called Space Junk and it was all the shows that just got like a pilot in five episodes, I would be so happy.
1: Everything Gene Rottenberry wrote that wasn't Star Trek. Oh, yeah. I could just call it like
0: the, yeah, the Aaron Gray Network. And she could be the host for everything. And, which, by the way, Aaron Gray, a.k.a. Wilma Deering. Is uh was on the pilot episode of the new MST3K. Of MST3K, yeah. yeah. I was pretty excited oh, to see her on there,
2: Darling Deering. That's right. Oh, yeah. oh, I can't
0: believe she lost, but not in my heart. She won that forever. Yeah. So anyway, that I just thought that was a, a, a cool thing with a, an actual problem, but becomes really tricky to try to solve because the solution is because so because the
2: dj doesn't revolve
0: it. <laughs> yeah the dj won't revolve it because the, the it's such a weird thing the solution is so close to designing a weapon system
2: maybe they could put little little some of those little cluster missiles into a drone to go up and and blow something into small very small pieces yeah, that see it just you, you just create problems when you yeah. try to solve one. Yeah. Create and create, like, five.
0: That's just it, yeah. Because what you have, like, you start, with Hydra. A, you start with a bunch of gigantic cruise missile-sized pieces. And it, if you mess it up, now you've just got a giant cloud of 20-odd buckshot flying around at 12,000 miles an hour.
2: Right. With, like,
1: thousands of bucks in the way. <laughs> I feel like we're writing a really cool G.I. Joe episode right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and then we'll use the satellites against them. Nice. <laughs> Dr. Mindbender.
0: Flurry photos. G.I. Joe, code name, Trash Trashman. I am a robot.
2: <laughs> He's also a 1,000-year-old Mayan priest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Dave, how about, uh, how about I end us with a rundown? All right, take us out. Flarba. Uh, all right, this one I call Pish Posh. I was taking a bath. <laughs> the telephone area code in the Tony English city of Bath is different than that of adjacent Radstock, and probably better explained by landline telephone infrastructure than a legal boundary. Uh, however, a Bath councilwoman said in April that she's dealing with complaints by ten new residents. Uh, who paid high-end prices for their homes, only to find they came with the Radstock area code? <laughs> Admitted one Bath resident, I do consider my phone number to be part of my identity. Jesus, that is from Somerset
0: Live. These are people who withstood uh, years of Nazi bombing,
2: and now, now this. Um, this one I call Badger's Shop. You'll, you'll see why. Okay. Uh, you, may, you guys may have seen this. It floated around Facebook uh, earlier this month. University of Utah researchers trained surveillance cameras on dead animals in a local desert to study scavenger behavior and were apparently astonished to witness the disappearances of two bait cows. Over the course of five days, according to the biologist's recent journal article, two different badgers working around the clock for days had dug adjacent holes and completely buried the cows. For, and that's probably for storage or to keep the carcasses from competitors.
0: Dude, badgers are industrious.
2: Cue badger sound. <laughs> <laughs> this one I call a fail of two cities. Samuel West announced in April that his Museum of Failure will open in Helsingborg, Sweden in June To commemorate innovation missteps that might serve as inspiration for future successes. Among the initial exhibits, coffee-infused Coca-Cola, the Bic For Her pin, because, you know, women's handwriting needs are are unique. Right, right. The Twitter Peak, which is a 2009 device that does nothing except send and receive tweets with a screen only 25 characters wide. (laughs) and Harley Davidson's 1990s line of colognes said west uh, as appealing as oil and gas fumes now uh, ironically enough he's not the first to attempt to immortalize failure with a museum Uh, there were also attempts in 2007 and 2014 and maybe you can guess how those ended (laughs) right (laughs) Smashing successes. Right. <laughs> Smashing <laughs> examples of themselves. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I got. That's your round. Oh, man.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, man. Spencer, thank you so much for being on the show with us. Absolutely. Hey,
1: thank you. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. It's been a, been, been an honor. As I said, I figured I'd be on Candy Chat before <laughs> Stone, but, you know.
0: <laughs> well, uh, so, so give us one more time. Give everybody the rundown.
1: Uh, where okay. they can find
0: you, see you, smell you, hold your hand.
1: Feel me. That's right. <laughs> uh, let's see. I am DB Spitzer, of course, still. Um, I am at Drunk Satan Robot on the Twitter. If you want to see a Twitter feed that I rarely ever update. And you can go to at PGTTCM on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook for updates on the podcast and dot podbean.com for the rss feed for the podcast and i had a tumblr account going on but it just turned into i don't know pictures of pokemon so uh, oh that's the internet I, for you I, I forgot the password for it and you know just never updated it <laughs> i feel like that ha- i feel like that's happened with stumble upon for us <laughs> but yeah that's um people's guide to the cthulhu mythos i do readings once or twice a month and then uh yeah about twice a month there's reading episodes and twice a month there's just episodes about various deities books monsters events in the cthulhu mythos and stuff about various authors and writers and we just got done with coverage of south by southwest uh my co-host uh today madam mortician was down there Covering stuff going on by South by Southwest. And yeah, just all kinds of stuff. Awesome. Yeah. Everybody knows where to find us
2: Blurry Photos Podcast. That'll get you everywhere you need to go. If you can't find us, just type that and we'll show up on whatever you're looking for, I bet. Yep. Facebook, Twitter, Stumble Upon. <laughs> really hitting the Stumble Upon. Oh. Uh, don't forget, you you only have about a, a couple weeks left uh, to get yourself that Obaku watch. That we keep peer pressuring you into getting.
0: It's 30% off. What are you thinking about?
2: A third of the price is gone. Here's the thing. You're going to roll into
0: Father's Day territory and you're going to wish you had that coupon and it'll be too late. Guess what? They also have women's watches that are beautiful.
1: Yep. Just in case your dad's a mom.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So don't forget to go to uh, obaku.com. That's O B A K U. Dot com. Use the offer code BlurryS6, the number six, and that'll get you 30% off a gorgeous watch. Yep. Also, thanks to the Chicago Podcast Cooperative, as always. And uh, thank you to the Dark Myths Collective, which we are uh, uh, both members of. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Audibletrial.com slash Blurry Photos gets you an audio book of your choice that you get to keep, even if you don't want to keep the membership. That's right.
1: Bam. That's how you do it. Duh. Do you know that they have over 180,000 books to choose from at audible.com? Damn, that's a lot of books. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <And laughs> Woo! With, and with that, you just gave the best ad for Audible we have ever
2: done. <laughs>
0: that was <laughs> the best one.
2: Did they, ha- uh, did they have plenty of Lovecraft choices to choose from?
1: Lovecraft, they have Robert E. Howard, they have Philip K. Dick, and you know, I, I, I like to download and get some dick in my ear when I do the audible. Who doesn't? Who doesn't?
0: <laughs> you know, it's not, it's, it's, it's tough when you first start reading his stuff, but after a while, you find you develop a taste for it.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. 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 Do you get it?
0: <laughs> Next week on Bullstone. The head of the FDA was brought before a Senate committee to answer charges that he's been harboring members of the EPA from the FBI.
1: Newly discovered shrimp species named after Pink Floyd admits, I'm more of a Rush fan, but Floyd's cool. If it ain't broke, don't crucifix it?
2: We'll tell you about a community that is asking one church group to stop unnecessary home repairs under the guise of charity.
0: All these wang-clanging stories and more next time on Bullstone.